Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Peak to the Pit. This is Allie Peak alongside TJ Pittinger. We are bringing you all of your college football and I guess we'll say, you know, sports of interest to us because we get to pick what we talk about, which is pretty exciting. DJ, we're a little bit late getting this podcast done this week. You were in New York. My kids had the flu. Life has been a little crazy in both of our houses. But how was your trip? It was awesome. It was better than two kids or one kid. So it was just one of your older ones, right? Not one of the babies, just, but yes, it, just one it, of my older. Ones. It was better than having the flu. I can I can say that. <laughs> so no, it was really good. Um, I haven't been in New York since well, it's been about ten years or so, um, and so I was much younger than I think I was like eighteen or nineteen, and so getting to go back as an adult and kind of go off and do whatever you want and you know walk all over the city and eat all kind of different food and stuff. We, we had a great time. So I don't, I said this on the big three rule too. I don't really need to sell New York. Like there's a reason right. that it's the most traveled to city in the country, but it was really, really cool. And, and we had a great time. Um, so have you been up there recently? Have you? No, it's been a really, really long time. I honestly, probably 10 years too, a long time. So if you guys will stop having multiples Kids? of babies, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you guys can go soon too. Um, although I guess well, we now that we have four, old. getting yeah. someone to watch them is probably like I don't know, ten years down the road. They yeah. all need to be able to wipe their own ass for sure before <laughs> somebody's going to be willing to take that many on. My uh, my sister watched Elena for a day, and then my mom watched her for two days, and then my mother in law watched her for a couple of days, and so everybody Good kind of pitched effort. in. Yeah, so it makes it a little bit easier when when that happens. But we were happy to be home, but. It was a good vacation. So how are your girls doing? Finally, everybody is healthy. Hadley had the flu. And then we kind of kept Hayden home too, because I was just so afraid that the other shoe was going to drop at some point, which knock on wood, thankfully it did not. She did not get it. And the babies didn't get it either. But that did mean I had to be quarantined in my bedroom upstairs for literally five days because I was so afraid that 
my four pound preemie babies were going to end up with the flu and end up back in the hospital. Um, so Eric and I watched the Gator game on two separate floors of our house and I could hear him through the floor yelling and he could hear me through the ceiling yelling, but we couldn't actually watch the game together. So we were like half the time we were on the phone watching it together. I guess that's what happens when you have four kids and the flu in your house. <laughs> a lot going on. You need a couple more animals, maybe some <laughs> cousins or something to come over. Would you, would you like me to drop a lane off this weekend or... You know, I think you guys need a little bit more going on. Right, a little bit more on our plate. Our house is always insane. We have two cats. Our dog passed away this summer, but my children refuse to acknowledge that. So when they count family members, they count our dead dog. Yikes. He's with us in spirit. (laughs) He is. He's with us in spirit. He was with us for 14 years and, um, He's with us in spirit. They count the number of fish that we have, which every time my mother-in-law comes to visit, she buys them more. I'm like, perfect. That's what I need. More mouths to feed. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully no more pets here for a while or children for that matter. (laughs) Well, um, we are doing this a little bit late, but it's all good because, you know, kind of a bye week coming, not kind of a bye week, but a bye week for both teams coming up, but Florida State and Florida both kind of rolled this weekend. A um, little slower starts in first half for, for both yeah. teams, uh, but then they kind of got things rolling, and I, I don't think either result shocked either no. of us. Um, but what do you think about Florida getting the monkey off their back against Missouri? Um, I, you know, I if they didn't get the monkey off their back, that would be a really bad sign about where this team's head is at after that loss to Georgia. But I'm still glad that it happened. Um, a noon games for some reason, I feel like Florida's not usually great out the gate. Um, they were against Vanderbilt, I guess. Well, I guess that was a little bit of a slow start, but when you finish 56 to nothing, that's a that's a pretty good win. But um, it was cold, so I think they said 37 degrees at kickoff. That's something that always concerns me as well. So, hey, they dealt with the cold temperatures. They dealt with noon. They got the Missouri monkey off their back, which is a crazy situation anyway because it's not like Missouri's good. I think they've been good maybe one of the years that they've beaten Florida, but they've still figured out a way to have Florida's number. So Dan Mullen kind of exercising that demon is um, is a good thing for the Gators. Um and then they go into this bye week for Florida State, and I I have to tell you, I kind of think Dan Mullen's going to come out like attempting to curb stop Florida State. Well, I mean, it's probably what's smart, right? And we'll get into, you know, FSU coaching stuff and, and all that. But, I mean, why wouldn't you, you know? Right. Um, Florida State didn't take it easy when Florida was, was down, you know? I mean, you, you went into the 2013 game knowing what was going to happen in that game. Um, Florida State did have a game the next week, and so they pulled the guys out in the fourth quarter. But Florida doesn't have that. Like Florida, right. Florida's not playing in a in a championship game. You know this year that Florida State's down, so you know the bowl game doesn't really matter. And even if it does, it's four weeks well, off, and so yeah. why not beat the heck out of your rival? I mean, Florida State is going to. I mean, Flor- Florida's at the top of the top of the state. I mean, and there's right. no doubt about that. And so why not assert your dominance? Florida state will probably, depending on who they hire and when they make a coaching hire, will probably get a, that first year coach recruiting bump. And so I think, you know, winning the game is, is not just winning the game, right? Like it's right. not, it's, well, there's so much more that goes into it. I think you want to, 
I think this game is actually particularly important to Florida too, because they're kind of in a precarious position in the polls. Um, they have either stayed stagnant or fallen the last couple of weeks, even with like pretty dominant wins based solely on what other teams around them are doing. You know, it was affected by Baylor. It's affected by Minnesota. Just there's this different movements that have kind of had a negative effect on Florida, even though it's not based at all on Florida's play. And I'm not saying that's not, that that's not fair. Um, I do think that teams that are either undefeated or have one loss and it's to a, you know, a, a higher caliber team, um, you know, they do belong maybe higher ranked, but Florida is probably on the cusp of a BCS bowl. And I think a strong win against Florida state could potentially save them from going to like the citrus bowl. Um, and it also depends on what the other SEC teams ahead of them do, because there's only going to be so many SEC teams there, but I do feel like Florida needs, they kind of need style points. Yeah. I mean, and in, for every other reason too, like you want to use that as a recruiting tool. Hey, we didn't sure. just beat Florida Think State. Think about all the people that are going to be in, yeah, in like the stands, all the, all the recruits that are going to be there. It's a 7.30 game, which I, I I know you had said on Twitter you're not pumped about. I'm pumped about. I you know I think the swamp will be rock, rocking. I'm sad I'm not going to be um, going to be there. My my husband has been saying like, hey, so the babies came um, three weeks earlier than we thought. So I know you'd said no to Florida State before. Four, but I'm like, hell no. If you're leaving me home with four children, uh, I'm well, going to have divorce papers signed by the time you get home. No. Why don't we, why don't we just take them? Like, why don't we just no. take them to the game? Take the baby? Um, hey, let's hang out with 90,000 of our closest friends and their germs. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you had a kid with the flu in the house this week. So, I mean, let's really test the odds. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the uh, – I'm not a big fan of – the 7.30 kick for a number of reasons. One, I think that, I don't know, the older I get, the the more that I like being able to get home. You know, like yeah. I, I, I like, you know, and when I know my team's going to lose, like just get it over with at noon and let me watch the 8 o'clock games, you know. Which, right, right. Um, you know, so I don't know. I, I also like being able to get home. It's a little better being in Gainesville, like the game will be over at 10.30 or 11.00. And I'll be home by like one, one thirty. I have driven home from Tallahassee after eight PM games, after yeah. huge eight PM games, like the one that went to overtime against Clemson in twenty fourteen. So that game didn't get over until midnight until I got home at like five. Um, so it'll be better than that. So but, are you one of those people that if your team is losing, you're willing to leave five minutes early to beat the crowd out? Um, and get to interstate, or are you one of those people that has to stay to the last second, no matter what the score says? Uh, I do not have to stay until the last second, no matter what the score says. So last year, um, Elena was three months old. We took her to Tallahassee for the game. She she and Kara didn't go to the game, but they were at home. Florida State was losing by 30. Kara said, hey, I'm on my way. There's no traffic right now. How long until you're done? And I think there were like six or seven minutes left. And I said, I'll just come now because I had a screaming baby in the car and we had a four-hour drive. Um, right. But so I, is that I a one-off though? Or? Yeah, I don't typically leave early. You know, I, I can't think of any 
I'm trying to think of other FSU games that I might have left early. I, you know, I don't really remember many. You know, and and with this one, you know, I'll be tailgating with people, and I'll go back to a tailgate afterwards, and I'll be sitting with Gator fans and stuff. And so, you know, I can't envision a scenario where I leave early again unless it's like I get a text that says, "Hey, your daughter's freaking out." The house out. is Come on home. fire. Yeah, yeah, like so, and I fully expect this to be a blowout too. So. I don't really remember. Like, we lost to Houston. I don't think I left that early. We were down big to Bama. I stayed till the end of that. So I, I, I can't really think of too many other ones um, so, that I've left early. Like the Louisville game, if I'd have been up there for 63 to 20, I probably would have left that early. Like, I'm, well, I'm just being very real. Right. But well, I, I can't think of many. About me, I have never left a Florida game early in my entire life. And I don't, I don't know that I'm capable of counting as high as, as many games as I've been to. What's the um, worst loss you've seen in person? Because hmm, that, that could have an impact, right? Like, have you ever seen yeah. – you, Have you ever well, seen I mean, lose by my brother 50? played during the time that uh, Florida won four games under Will Muschamp. And I went to every one of his home games and a lot of his away games. So if so that – So you were there for 37-7 to 7 against FSU and you stayed? Yes. Okay. And I, I, you know what it comes from though? My, my dad used to take us to a lot of Gator games growing up. Like I would say probably at least four or five a year starting at one year old. Um, I think I had, I had not yet turned one when I went to my first, um, Gator game because the home opener would have been like a week before my birthday. And, um, anyway, he, my dad played at Florida and my grandfather played at Florida and, I think because of that, they won't leave early because they don't, they like basically want to show support to the actual players, um, from, you know, from their point of view, that's an important thing. And so it just kind of got passed down. And so I, I mean, and then in college, I went to every home Gator game for four years and I would say 80% of away games, um, and never left any of those early. And then after college is when my brother played went to most of his and hasn't been since we, until we had children that we kind of slacked off on the attendance. And now we make it to only, you know, one or two a year. We're actually not going to have made it to a Gator game this year. I'm going to have made it to a UCF game and not made it to a Gator game this season, which (laughs) Um, is really disappointing. So if they, we'll get into the bowl stuff here in a second, but if they play at the Citrus Bowl, is there any chance you would go to that late December? Um, Potentially. I kind of, I really hope Florida doesn't end up in the Citrus Bowl. I'm just, uh, I don't know. It, it's not that exciting to go to the same bowl games over and over again. And so the Citrus Bowl and the Outback Bowl are just like, I don't know. I'm over them. Um, I, But yeah, there's a potential for it. Depends on who the opponent is too. Like I have zero interest in seeing Florida play Michigan again. Yeah. So I don't know who the pro- – I, I didn't look at this, but I did look at some bowl projections and it's, it's pretty split. Like it's, you know, half – Half of people are predicting Florida to the Cotton Bowl, and mm-hmm. the other half have Florida in the Citrus Bowl, which I would prefer. I would prefer Florida in the Citrus Bowl solely because I want to go to it. Like I'm not going out to right. Texas for a Florida game, um, right. but I would go to the Citrus Bowl, which is on on the first of the year at, at one. I would think – the big three roll up would do something. I would think we would do some right. kind of tailgate or some kind of hangout there. So I, I know we're not doing one if, if, if they go to Texas. So yeah, to me, 
all of the bowls are meaningless. I understand if you're a fan of the team. Like if I was a Florida State fan, like I would I would want them in a New Year's Six as well. But they're all meaningless, and so I'd rather them just be closer here so that I can watch them. Just like go to them. Yeah, just like um, – you know, Florida State is being projected to the lower tier ACC bowls, but then there's an even lower ACC bowl. Um, like if the ACC has too many teams that qualify, Florida State could play in the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa. <laughs> right. I was going to say the Pinstripe Bowl, but I think, or yeah. the whatever it used to be called, but it's Gasparilla Bowl now. Yeah. It's the worst possible bowl that an ACC team can go to. And I don't, you know, I but don't care about to going to the Independence Bowl over there. Right. I'd rather it just be here. I'd rather just yeah. be able to go. Well, I don't care about the status of the bowl. Well, um, if you're not in the playoff, you know, I just would rather not have to travel very far. You, you know, know I, so I think that there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. However, I do think, I don't know. I think for a team like Florida, getting to a New Year's Six Bowl does have some meaning and is important because they for sure weren't going to the playoffs with these two losses, unless some crazy stuff happens. So that means that you actually would potentially take seriously a New Year's Day or New Year's Six Bowl, which if you just barely missed the playoffs or you felt slighted, you don't show up to. Um, hence when Florida got beat by Louisville after missing the national championship by like, you know, tenths of a point um, in 2012. So I, I kind of, I don't know. I think a New Year's Day Bowl is important if – your team has the ability to get up for it because if they do and they beat a national opponent that they're not normally going to see and recruits are there to see it, or at the very least watch it on TV, I think, um, that can actually help recruiting. I think that can give some momentum, but it has to be one of those situations where, you know, your team is going to get up for it. You don't want to go to a new year's six bowl. If it's a disappointment to be there, that's, that's actually almost worse than ending up in the Outback bowl or the citrus bowl, because then you're going to, you know, crap the bed on national television. So the matchup that I've seen for the cotton bowl for Florida, like I've, I've seen one that's Cincinnati. I've um, seen a lot of that, which that has zero appeal to me as well. Yeah. So would you rather, you know, Matchup wise, not necessarily the prestige of the bowl. Um, the matchup I've seen for the Citrus Bowl is Penn State. So you'd certainly rather see James Franklin um, and John Sider and those guys over Cincinnati. Right? I would rather see Penn State if my options are Cincinnati and Penn State. If my options are Cincinnati and Michigan, I'll go ahead and take Cincinnati, wax the floor with them, uh, shut up the AAC, and move on. I don't, we've seen Michigan. If we, if Florida plays Michigan in a bowl this year, they will have seen Michigan three times in like 13 months. And, and you're not that's one to do that. 15 months or whatever. Like that, that has zero interest to me. Penn state though. I definitely, there's, there's appeal there. It's been a while. Joe Paterno was the coach last time Florida played Penn state. Um, so there's definitely there's definitely intrigue there, and the only intrigue for me from the Cincinnati point of view is we've I, we've heard from UCF fans that Cincinnati is formidable and that they would do well against an SEC schedule or a big or at the very least a Power Five schedule. So I would take some pleasure in ending that argument, um, but also I think there's a better chance that Florida gets up for Penn State then gets up for Cincinnati because I could definitely see a scenario where they feel like it's a very underwhelming opponent for them. And when that happens, 
a lot of times teams don't play well. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, we've seen that so many times. Like, you know, did Auburn get up for UCF? Did Florida State get up for Houston? Did Florida get up for Louisville? Did, you know, and I know on and on and on down the list. hearing that argument, but it's real. I mean, it literally is real. I have, <laughs> I have watched a husband play teams that are they're not excited to play, and that team not play up to their ability. Same thing with my brother's teams. Like this is a real thing, and most I mean, of the time, players and coaches recognize it really early in that game week, and, and it, then it, talk about it. And it's and it's even it even happens in season, right? Like sure. this is such a common thing that teams get up for good teams and have a harder time getting up for bad teams. I mean, I, I didn't, I obviously wasn't watching the Florida state game. I, I followed it and then kind of watched the recap of it or the, you know, the, the ACC network 20 minute recap um, that just kind of shows you every like three out of every four plays, like it skips punts and stuff like that. So, right. I mean, Florida state didn't look very good this week against the FCS school in Alabama State. I mean, they still won by thirty. Well, but, Florida State's also not very good. <laughs> but they, but they looked a lot better on the, the road before. at BC against right. a much better team, a much more talented team, and AJ Dillon, who's the best, one of the best running backs in the conference. And so, um, you know, it's just about getting up yeah. for you know even. Even f- you, I mean, you play up or down to your opponent, and I think that incredibly, incredibly well-coached teams do it less often. Um, like I think that it's hard to to point to a time where that's happened to, say, Alabama. Um, but you, you also have the best of the best coaching you. But I think in general, it is sometimes hard. It's hard to get up every single week. So if you're not going to get up every single week, the weeks that you're not going to pay attention to are going to be the weeks that you think you've got it in the bag. And unfortunately, you know, Sometimes a Georgia Southern or whatever happens and, and you lose, but that's that's not usually the outcome. Usually it's you just don't look very good. Right. You see it all the time in the NCAA tournament too, right? Like a mm-hmm. bad team is super up to play Duke or Kentucky or whoever in the first round. It's their they, Super Bowl. It's yeah, their national championship. It's they you know play it means really more. close for a half and then they lose by twenty, you know. Right. Um you know, so I mean, it's kind of like when Miami played us the last seven years before this streak started, you know, they got up really hard for it. The first half would be close and then we ended up beating them because we were through their Super Bowl. So speaking um, of Miami, have you seen on Twitter a lot of Miami fans, not a lot of Miami fans, Miami fans um, talking about the potential to of Miami and Florida rematch in the Orange Bowl, which I don't actually think can happen um, or I don't actually think will happen, but have you seen that they think that they will they would beat Florida if they played again? Um, Miami is the most delusional. Miami fans are the most <laughs> delusional in all of maybe all of sports, but definitely college football on and certainly the big three. And I think that every fan base has their people that are delusional sure. about different things. Florida State seems to me like they're the most sensitive fan base. Um, you know, Florida's fan base is just the worst, like, you know, <laughs> all-encompassing that. Um, but Miami is certainly the most delusional. I mean, I saw a tweet from from Tom D'Angelo, which I think I still kind of have it pulled up right here, um, where he said, 
Miami officially eliminated. This was on Saturday. Miami officially eliminated from the ACC Coastal. That's zero ACC titles in 16 years for the Canes since joining the conference with one trip to the conference title game. The most disappointing, underachieving, high-profile program in the country during that span. In that ACC title game, they kicked a field goal down by 35 points Mm -hmm. with less than five minutes to go just so that they would have Were they playing Virginia Tech, maybe? Who are they playing? I remember that game. Clemson, okay. um, So Um, they kicked a field goal just... And so Miami fans that think that they would be competitive... I mean, the only reason they were in that game against Florida is because of Florida's mistakes. Like, Florida had a chance to go up early two or three scores, and that game's completely different. Now, that's Florida's fault. Those weren't even forced turnovers. But to sit here and expect that Florida's going to do that again, I think it's kind of crazy. Florida's a way better team than they were in August. I think – Way better team. And and I'll be fair to Miami. I think Miami's a better team than they were – in, uh, in September, well, October and to be as well. fair, most teams are. You you never want to be judged by how you look in your first game. So I think that if Florida played Miami in the Orange Bowl, I think that they would probably win by ten to fourteen points, and I would give Miami a twenty percent chance of winning. Like I'd give Miami if if the two teams played each other five times, I'd give Miami one win, um, just because. Usually in one out of five games, like fluky things right. will happen, right? Like will, happen, will fumble yeah. a couple of times, and you know, and and that's probably how I would see it, right? Like if they played five times, Miami would lose one, Florida would lose one, and then Florida would just be the better win time three, three, yeah, you know, and uh, you know that's just kind of my. I, mean, I just thought it was such an interesting thing because it's that, like, but. how did you watch this season and come to that conclusion? You I know, don't understand. I think it's fanatics or, you know, which is what fans are. I think we right. I think we pick and choose. Like if I can take the I mean obviously the quarterback wasn't even the same, but if I can take the worst parts of Florida against Kentucky and then take the worst parts of Florida against Georgia and then take the worst parts of Florida against Miami and say like they have the capability of of playing bad for an entire game. I mean, sure, but so does every team. If I took the worst parts of Miami against Georgia Tech and the worst parts of Miami against Virginia Tech and Pitt and just whomever, then they look really bad too. So also I just, I mean, to really answer the question, I just think Miami fans are pretty delusional and, and that false bravado is kind of there. Like you don't see that from Florida state fans this week and you're not going to see it next week. I mean, the, the smack talk will come up and we'll use old videos where we, from when we were good, but no Florida state fan thinks we're going to the swamp and winning. Well, and you Florida know. fans can relate to that because we, we definitely had a window of time where we felt the same recently. For sure. Sorry, I was singing a sip of coffee, but yeah, for sure. So you just kind of, you know, you go and enjoy the rivalry and, you know you're going to lose. Now, in an absolute perfect world, could Florida State win? Yeah. I mean, Florida nearly beat Florida State in 2014. Is it possible? Right. I, I mean, I mean I'd say you have to give some credence to the fact that it is a real rivalry game. And crazy things happen in rivalry games. Absolutely. Like, I, I would be – I mean, I think my confidence level is somewhere around kind of where ESPN is predicting it. I think ESPN has Florida State as about an – eight percent chance to win i think that's pretty accurate you know if we played 10 times we probably would struggle to win one of them but i would probably (laughs) win one like florida would probably just lose it for us once like trask would throw two or three picks 
Cam would have a great day and you guys would fumble one or two times, miss a field goal, and we'd win. Like, that's how we would win this game. And yeah. I don't, you know, we'll get into more of a game breakdown next week. I, but I think I, that I just don't see that happening, right? Like, I think it, Florida could play really poorly and, and we still probably wouldn't win. I think that if this game were in Tallahassee at night, it was a little bit colder and Florida State fans were showing up in the stands like, um, previous years as opposed to some of the attendance that we've seen this season I think that makes it more of a crapshoot because those things do factor into a rivalry game um so and those obviously will not factor in this this year um it will be majority Florida fans it's at night in Gainesville the the energy will be on the Gators side but yeah I mean things happen in in rivalry games regardless of how good or not good you think either of the two uh are yeah and so, I mean, like I said, we'll kind of get into game game preview a little bit more next week. But um, going back to Miami, so I saw that, that projection that had them potentially in the Orange Bowl. Actually, the projection that I saw was from Brett McMurphy, had them in the Orange Bowl against Alabama. And I guess I'll back up one more time. Um, I think that what Florida needs to get into the Cotton Bowl as opposed to the Citrus Bowl uh, is Alabama to make the playoff? Like I think if yeah, Alabama they makes do, the playoff, for sure. you know you guys will make it. If they don't, I think you guys get bumped down one and, and go to the Citrus Bowl. And we'll kind of get into whether or not we think Alabama makes the playoff here in a second. But I think that bowl tie-ins and the fact that Miami is potentially up for the Orange Bowl um, is stupid. Like I, I think you're that, like the I sacrificial think, lamb of the conference. Yeah, I think that that I think we should just take the best ten or twelve teams and roll with those. And I understand why we don't, right? Like every conference wants their representation, but I mean, if your conference is poor, and you know, let's be real, the the top of the ACC is as good as you know the top of any other conference. Sure, one team. But, I was gonna say Clemson. Yeah, and but if if your conference isn't as good, I I just I have a hard time thinking that, you know, Miami is more deserving than I mean, just look at the teams that are like 13, 14, 15, 16, you know, I think that all of those teams well, deserve the Orange Bowl more than Miami. Really all of the top 25 does, you know, cuz Miami's my, not going to be ranked. That's my argument against automatic tie-ins in the playoffs. I think it's crazy to think that even if you won your conference to if you legitimately are not as good as some of these other teams that play in a conference that maybe have more really good teams, I think it's crazy to think you would get an automatic bid just because you won your conference. Um, and, and, you know, and that's an argument people make about expanding to aid and let's have an automatic um, bid for every conference winner, including um, the AAC or, or a G5 team or whatever. And I just think that's that kind of waters down the playoff. And it's the same concept for New Year's Six games. I, I want to see the best bowl game possible. I don't care yeah. how many teams from any conference get in. I don't care um, you know, if it's a traditional tie-in or not, I want to see the best games possible. And I think that is my biggest argument, like you just said, against expanding the playoff. Um, right. Bowl games, I feel like, used to mean something because, and I don't know if we talked about this on this show or not, but bowl games used to mean something because when you lost one game in college football, 
you you, you knew at that point you were out of the championship race. Like unless something crazy times, happened, yeah. yeah, a couple of times teams with more with one loss have gotten in, and you know that. It well, just was it very is, rare. You had to be like a one-loss SEC champ or a one-loss. Correct, loss which one. is what's happened every time Florida has right. made it. And um, so, you know, but bowl games used to mean something because nobody expected to make the playoff. Now, the top eight, nine, really the top nine, maybe ten, the top ten teams all only have one loss. Um, I think they all have an outside shot at the playoff, right? Like your top right. five obviously do. Oregon, Utah is 6-7. They obviously have a shot at it. Whoever wins that game, we'll, we'll kind of see how they line up against Alabama. Um, eight would be Penn State. If they beat Ohio State this week and then end up winning out, they're in. Um, and then you've got Oklahoma, Minnesota, who have the smallest chance, um, but – but still a chance. But those two teams still have a chance. And then 11's Florida. Like, I, I don't think there's really any realistic scenario that they would get in. But the top 10 teams all right now have a chance. If this was 2013, you would know that only the top four teams have a chance right now. Right. right? And so well, these top 10 teams are all fighting for the playoff. And it's going to be disappointing when six of them don't get in. And that's why we see bowl games. The big bowl games just don't mean what they what they sure. used to. Now, to a team like Minnesota going to the Rose Bowl would that mean means something. something? Absolutely. But, but for Oklahoma, who was supposed to have the Heisman quarterback and supposed to have a cakewalk into the the playoff, when they go to the Sugar Bowl against who probably Georgia or, or Alabama, I mean they're going to get destroyed. I mean that's not even going right. to you know they're they're that's not going to be good at all when Oregon beats Utah and has to go play Penn State in the when when Oregon beats Utah and doesn't get in at 12 and 1 and has to go to the Rose Bowl are they getting up for that I mean I just so that's why I think that I I think potentially they, against a Minnesota team that it thinks they're playing in the Super Bowl Yeah and so that's why I think going to 8 well if you go to 8 then really your top 16 teams all feel like they have a chance to get in, right? Yeah. With, with two weeks to go. And I think it waters it down even more. Also, the other side of that, and I know you've been chopping the bit, but I won't shut up. But the other side of that that I hate is I don't need to see number eight play number one. This is not college basketball. I, right. I, don't, I don't want to see a good first round game. Like, oh, but what if Penn State, was, who is currently number eight, upset LSU – well, then that would create a terrible if, championship yeah. game. Like, right. once Penn State got to play Clemson, which in is the, the same thing that happens in the NCAA tournament when, right. when you know, a uh, 14 seed upsets somebody and they make it one or two rounds in and then they end up coming up against, you know, UConn or just whoever they, they get slaughtered. them over. Right. Yeah. And so I am not willing to sacrifice. The regular season. Yeah, an upset of Penn State over LSU would be a ton of fun. I know how much you hate Joe Burrow. I know that you want to punch him. Uh, but as exciting as that would be, I don't want to get to January 9th and have Penn State against Georgia. Like That just right. doesn't sound like an exciting – I'd rather see the best two teams. I never had a problem with the BCS. Like I would well, be fine that if was we went what to, I was back to the say. BCS. The, the, honestly, we, we – come up with this playoff thing we bitched and moaned about the bcs but i challenge I that. anybody <laughs> I, I don't i don't think so i don't know i don't know what the what the exact rules of that are um 
I don't think that we could point to a year where the BCS got it wrong. The only one and, that people will argue about is uh, didn't who went thirteen and zero one time? Did Auburn go thirteen and zero? Thirteen and zero, and, and, and Auburn did, and that may, maybe is the only team that has a legitimate argument. But, but the to thing get is, it is right that, twenty times or yes, long, sixteen I mean, times, one out of sixteen is. I mean, the BCS was very good to Florida State. I mean, we played. I think in the we first... could say the playoffs probably haven't gotten it right already, and we've only been doing it what, like six years. The one thing I'll say about the playoffs getting it right is they've maybe gotten number four wrong a few times, but they've gotten right. the top it's never... three right. Yes. And so I think the the champion ends up being. But that correct. also strengthens the argument as to why make it any bigger. Because does it really matter who the number four team is? Because they're probably not winning. So then if it doesn't matter who number four is, why the heck does it matter who number five, six, seven, and eight are? It, it doesn't. I mean, right now, there's a distinct drop-off, I believe, in whoever that number four team is. Agreed. Right? Like, there's, a, there's a separation of Clemson, LSU, and Ohio State in, in whatever order. Agreed. And then, you know, I think Bama would be up in that category if, if Tua wasn't hurt. Sure. Um, but Which I we definitely think, need to get into too. I don't think Oregon's in that category. I don't think Ohio State's up there. Like I just, you know, I'm sorry, not Ohio State, Penn State. So you know, why do we need to expand it? I don't need to see Oregon and LSU play. Well, and the to, thing about Oregon is that, I, and I understand it was the first game of the season, but you can't convince me that a team that lost to the fifth best at best SEC team is a legitimate contender. I, I just you. It, it's very hard to convince me of that when you play a very weak schedule, uh, you know. On on top of that, but I just I I liked the BCS system better. I think a lot of people feel that, um, and whether there's any actual truth to this or not, but feel that when people are involved and it's a discussion, that there are biases that come out. I know last year UCF fans were convinced that Scott Strickland, Florida's AD, who is on the committee, purposefully didn't match up UCF and Florida, which by the way, is actually not true at all. Um, the, the G five, you know, qualifier gets rotated through the bowls and it has nothing to do with UCF personally, but generally the G five doesn't sell as many tickets. So they try not to make that team go to the same bowl game every year because it could in theory impact that team or excuse me, that, that bowl game financially. It doesn't when it's UCF, or at least it did in the last two years because those those fans bought the tickets. But as a general rule, the G5 teams are going to buy less tickets than the Power 5 teams are. And that's why they rotate it through. It didn't actually have to do with Scott Strickland's bias. But that argument can be made when you're talking about a room full of it, essentially ADs or former coaches that all have tie-ins to schools um and that they get to determine who does it when it's a computer system it's it's really hard to argue yeah for sure and like you said i mean the bcs was very good at fsu i mean every year you know very good we, made Florida. It the, we made it the first three years we made it the last year um you know every year that we were kind of in place to maybe go like there was like it never hurt us like it kind of screwed miami over in 2000 but um Nobody's going to complain about that, but not on the show anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I thought the BCS was great. I thought crowning two teams was great. Uh, you know, and if they want to go to four, I'm mean, okay with that. I'd be fine with the BCS picking the the top four. Um, 
I don't like the committee as much just because, you know, we talked about this on our second episode, maybe third, whatever, the eye test versus resume thing. Like, I feel like the eye test is used for some teams, like Clemson, who has a bad resume, and the resume is used for other teams, like Mm -hmm. Oregon, or used against Oregon, or used for LSU, or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. it's just so subjective. I think if we have Well, we've heard it about Alabama this year, too, used against Alabama, which is not normally what happens, but because their schedule is pretty weak, at least compared to what they normally, you know, they're out of conference is always weak, but generally they're, even their in conference is a little bit stronger than it is this year. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice to not have those arguments be able to be made by a person. And, and so Chris Landry does a lot of podcasts on our network and I listened to one that he, I listened to his ACC show this week and he was talking about Clemson and he really dives deeply into uh, the film breakdowns, almost like um, Bill Connolly does, like the S&P opponent-adjusted stuff. And mm-hmm. he he said this, and, and you know, it's his take, not mine, but he said, listen, in breaking down the film, I know that Clemson's opponents have not challenged them, minus UNC, but, but even then, he's like, I, I don't really think that – that UNC was was going to win that game. I mean, obviously sure. they get the two-point conversion they do. But he's like, in breaking down the film, Clemson is every bit as good as anybody else in this country just based on what they do. Like, they right. do things. Like, you timing routes work no matter who you're playing, right? Right. You know, defensive line pressure work, you know, like the the schemes they run, the things like that. And so somebody like that who is breaking down film the way that he does, um, he watches six games at a time on Saturday and Sunday. He rewatches every single game like this guy eats, breathes, sleeps college football. And so for somebody like that to tell me, yeah, Clemson deserves to be in. Their resume yeah. isn't there, but they deserve to be in. I think he takes that objective take. But the problem I have with the committee – is we have no idea what their measuring sticks are. Sure. Right? Like, do we give, you know, do we put everything in a different category and say, okay, for quality wins, you get five points. For quality losses, you get two points. For blowouts, you get six points. And then the team with the most points at the end is the ones, how we rank them. I, I don't think, I mean, I honestly don't even think that they do that. I think it's just all kind of subjective. And it is, and they don't use the roll. same criteria for each team, which is, you know, I um, I used to work with a guy who now does a radio show in Greenville, South Carolina. So they cover Clemson, you know, a lot and South Carolina a lot. And he, I, I find that he is um, incredibly uh, uh, bright. And I think that he knows a lot about football, but I don't know that I think he's always the most objective person. But he makes the argument that how can the reigning national champion who is still undefeated not be, you know, the top team? This is my argument against that. And I, I think um, I think that Clemson belongs in the playoff, absolutely. And I think the very limited amount that I have watched them, that it's true. They're not challenged. And when you set that schedule, that schedule was set five, six, ten years ago even in some cases. And so you can't really – determine at that moment how strong or weak your schedule is going to be when you play Florida State and Miami and Texas A&M and you know some of these other teams that they do have on their schedule you expect that your schedule is going to be decently strong it's not their fault that it's not but 
I don't think that you can use the argument that they won the last year for anything this year. I don't think that's fair. I agree um, with that. And and the committee's been pretty consistent on that, right? Like, so Florida State was, I mean, Florida State scored more points in 2013 than any other college football team has ever scored, right? Like, we've even added a game now with the playoff, and Oklahoma right. still hasn't matched that. So, and, and their defense gave up 11 points a, a game that year, too. So, truly, incredibly dominant in 2013. And then 2014 rolls around, and they weren't even number one in the first playoff ranking, right? So the committee's been consistent with that. All six years of the playoff, they've they've been very consistent with saying, we don't care what you did last year. You know, that that doesn't really... Now, in the back of their mind, it probably does factor in a little bit, right? Like, if there were five undefeated conference champions, I think that they would give Clemson well, that nod. I mean, think about this. If you were not allowed to know who won the national championship last year, all right. You have no idea how any team's finishing. This is the first year that you have ever watched college football. Do you put Clemson in the top four? I think so. I uh, mean, I I think okay. Would so that be I'll determined that by how much football you actually watched of Clemson? I mean, the the thing we'll say about Clemson is they outside of that UNC game, they have blown out every single team Everybody. that they played. So it's sure. not like. You know, in in it's Florida State squeaked by, right? Florida State squeaked by teams in 2014. I'll also say Florida State's schedule was much better. They played Clemson, you know, without Winston. They played Notre Dame, who was a top five team. Um, they played Oklahoma State on the road or uh, uh, on a neutral site game to open the year, who was a ranked team and like five and zero oh until their quarterback got hurt. And so Florida State's schedule was much better then, but they were squeaking by teams. And I still would have had them in too, right? Like yeah. even, you know, without knowing they won the year before. But yeah, the way that Clemson is just blowing teams out. I mean, they beat Wake 52 to 3. They beat NC State 55 to 10. You know, BC 59 nothing. And not that these are good. Florida State 45 sure. to 14. So not that these are great teams by any means, but I mean, they're doing everything you could ask. And yeah. I think if you. If you do hold the eye test and you look at them against Oregon, like I'll take them against Oregon every sure. time. So I think my answer to that would be yes. Would be yes. I just think it's interesting. Um, I think that it factors in for uh, more for people than people are realizing that it does. And that doesn't mean that Clemson doesn't belong in the top four. I I think that they do. And again, like I said, I don't. It's not their fault that their schedule has turned out the way that it has this season. Um, but it is really hard for me to say. A, a team that has one or two losses, but the team that they lost to is, you know, a top four, top six team in the country and that they don't belong, but an undefeated team who hasn't even played a team, uh, you know, in the top 20, you know, does is that's a hard argument for me to make. Yeah. So let's ask this then. So we have talked about the fact that we thought Alabama should make the playoff when considering them against a Pac-12, a one-loss Pac-12 champ, because we're not going with resume, right? We're going right. with eye the eye test. So, uh, I also talked about this: if Tua was hurt, and that's why they lost a game, they should get in because that should not be counted against them as heavily. What I I think the opposite of that opposite of that exists. Obviously, Alabama is not 
as good of a team without, without him. So, Which, to be fair, nobody. I, I mean, two is a an incredible, right, incredible no, talent. So I, w- I would say nobody. Nobody in America is as good of a team with their backup quarterback, except for maybe Florida. Um, right. But them aside, and, but I mean, at the end of the day, that's something that I think needs to be considered. You know, do, is yeah. is Oregon? And the answer may still be no. Like, let's see how Alabama looks against Auburn, who does have a good defense. It's on the road, but I think that has to be considered. In I don't think you can give Alabama Alabama's- the automatic nod. I, I think that – now, if Alabama goes out with, with – who is it, Mac Jones, and blows Auburn out still, then I think they're in. But if they just win closely or obviously if they lose and they don't look very good, I think Oregon is going to – the winner of that game is is going to jump them. Thoughts yeah. there? Um, I – Alabama is not as good a team with Mac Jones as they are with Tua. That is not a knock on Mac Jones at all. That is a compliment to Tua. Um, I think that it would be um, really unlikely that you have a situation like Alabama had two years ago where Jalen Hurts goes down and Tua goes in, or I guess he doesn't even, he he gets subbed out. Um, Tua goes in and does even better. Um, I don't think that that, is something that is going to happen on a regular basis for Alabama or anybody else. So Alabama's not as good a team. Now we currently don't know how good Alabama is. And unfortunately for Alabama, they only have one shot to show the committee. And that is against Auburn. So you're right. If they don't blow them out, which is kind of unfair because Auburn's a rivalry game. And that's one of those situations where nine times out of 10, it's going to be decently close because it's a rivalry game. Um, so it kind of hurts that that's, that that is the eye test for us, that one ball game. Um, but if they don't blow them out, I think that that really, really hurts their shot at being the fourth team in. Uh, and, I mean, I don't know if that's fair or not, but that, that's how I would do it. Yeah, and I think that subjectively – or I think that like kind of like we talked about, the committee hasn't been super solid on – you know, eye test resume, when they're going to apply which, what what their standards are for that. And so if – well, obviously if Oregon can – I'm sorry, if Auburn was to win. But if Bama just barely beats Auburn and Oregon lost to Auburn just in the slightest – do you remember that game? I mean, Oregon yeah, blew I mean, that. So yeah, Oregon the last loses, six seconds is when Auburn won, and I only know that because it saved my bet for the week. So Oregon loses to Auburn just barely. And Oregon right. has better wins. I mean, Oregon has better wins than uh, Alabama does. I mean, be, I think beating Utah is is just as good as beating the fifth best team in the SEC. I, I don't know that I would pick Oregon in a head-to-head matchup, so maybe that's what we should go with. But, yeah, I think Oregon has a really, really strong argument if that's the case. And right. so – I mean, we'll end up seeing, you know, I think it's it's going to be very interesting to see kind of the precedent they set. I think that a lot of it, too, will depend on how Oregon or Utah. I mean, you can you can kind of transition to Utah here for any of these things that I'm saying about Oregon. But if Oregon goes into that conference championship game um, as the fifth ranked team, right? Like we're assuming LSU will be Georgia, so they'll drop down. Bama mm-hmm. will move up to four. 
and then with a win against Auburn, and then Oregon will be fifth, Utah sixth. If Oregon beats the number six ranked team by twenty, I think they're going to jump them because I've, yeah. obviously Alabama doesn't have that weekend to play. They don't have an they're, opportunity. They're to, off, yeah. and so you can't say that Alabama was better in that week fifteen. But you can definitively say that man, Oregon just blew out the number six team. Correct. In the and, and the same thing for Utah. If Utah beats the number five See, team by thirty. You know, it's it's the same. I think the I don't know that it's the same if Utah wins. And I don't know that that's necessarily fair. But if Utah, I mean, and maybe a blowout is different. But if Utah beats Oregon and let's say they beat them by six or something like that, I think that that is what opens the door for Alabama to be the fourth team. I don't think I don't think that there is a scenario where Utah gets in over Alabama unless they just wax the floor with Oregon. See, I disagree with that. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll kind of see what happens. I don't think they beat Oregon. So I, we, maybe we, we won't see what happens with that. Hey, right. But I think that where they're ranked right now in the in the playoff committee's rankings, I think that that's the committee telling you that they will jump them, right? Like if Utah was like, or it's the committee or telling you we're going to pretend like yeah. they actually have a shot, right? Which may hype it up for ratings and things like that. But I think that I think that by them saying this is the seventh best team in the country, and if they beat the, you know, it will be the sixth best team, and if they beat the fifth, they they will jump because they always show that top six, right? Like they show right. the top four right. and the two underneath it. So I think that's the committee telling you that that they they will put them in. But I mean, who knows? Like you said, it, it could all be kind of for ratings, but. I think Oregon wins that, and and so it doesn't really end up mattering. Again, right. this all kind of ties back into the fact that I do want Oregon to go because I want Alabama to get Florida's spot and Florida to be playing in Orlando. So it all kind of ties back in. Um, and I want the exact opposite, <laughs> so thanks. Yeah, because you want the two SEC teams in. I know, I know you're an elitist. You want Florida in the bigger bowl because you're probably not going to yeah. go anyway. Um so yeah, I and I think it. it's I think it's important for Dan Mullen, um, his second year. I think it's it's big to be able to say we won ten games our first year, went to a New Year's six. We won eleven our second year, went to a New Year's six. I think that's a pretty damn strong resume for the first two years, and I think that that for recruiting purposes. If I'm a recruit and I see that and I see that improvement over those two years, but then I also look at this Florida team and essentially the fact that they had the records that they have this year and last year, I think due in large part to coaching because I honestly don't think it's due in large part to talent, at least in some position groups. If I'm a recruit, I'm pretty excited about the idea that I could come into a team that good, but contribute immediately. And so I think that that is why it's particularly important for Florida to have as big a national stage as they possibly can, because recruiting is the one area where Dan Mullen kind of needs to pick it up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it all will kind of tie back in as well. But, um, man, it's, it's almost like you can already look at the schedule and kind of already see how big the um, Georgia game is going to be next oh, year. Not that not sure. that it wasn't big this year. Not that it's not big every year. But it's it's kind of like you can already look at it and say, man, they really have to beat Georgia next well, year. Because if he loses three in a row, not that his seat, we I, I don't buy any of that. But he's oh, going to put himself hot, so but... far behind Kirby if they lose again. 
Like Florida's they, they have to win schedule is easier next year than it was this year. When you look at what the the gauntlet that Florida went through this season, and they don't have to next year, they don't play Auburn, which that makes a huge difference. I, I, personally, I think you get an easier West team as opposed to, uh, you know, Auburn is ranked where they're ranked because they had to play Florida, LSU, and Alabama, Texas A&M, Oregon. You know, I think that if this team played, if it was a different year, this Auburn team's ranked a lot higher because they are not playing, you know, basically everybody ranked ahead of them. Yeah. I think, um, I think Florida's floor next year is 10 and two. Like I, I think that they're, they're 10 and two unless crazy things happen. So and then if they can the second loss in your mind, it's either LSU or Georgia would be LSU the only two Georgia. losses that okay. I could see. I think the rest of it, I think they, and that's their floor. Like I'm not saying sure, that, they, that is their floor. I yeah, agree. I'm agree not saying that, that okay. they I thought definitely you were saying that lose was their ceiling. No, they're, okay. I mean, their ceiling's 12 and Oh next yeah. year. I mean, they, they've got 10, they've got 10 games on their schedule that would be absolute catastrophes if they lost Eastern Washington, Kentucky, South Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina. They should start the year five and Oh, they, 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 play LSU at home. Let's just call that a potential loss because, I mean, it is. Uh, Ole Miss on the road. I still think Florida's much better there. You get a bye before Georgia, but let's call that the other loss. And then Vanderbilt, Missouri at home, New Mexico State and Florida State. Florida State on the road, but I still don't think Florida State's competing next year. The year after that, maybe 2021, Florida State may have things turned around by then. Uh, to be a little more competitive, but you know, obviously that's just kind of like an in the air prediction, but yeah, I, I think that, I think that if Florida does anything less than 10 and two next year, it's an it's absolute a disappointment. disappointment. Agreed. Um, I think, and, and the they thing could go about, 11 and one, you know, the, they just need to upset one team to go 11 and one. The thing about that, um, Georgia game. And I don't know that I would, I honestly think I would call beating Georgia more of an upset than beating LSU. Florida, was in it more with LSU this year, in my opinion, than they were with Georgia, at least from watching both games. It, it, it felt like that LSU game. And I know that they lost by 14 points, but if you watch that game, that's, that is not what it felt like at all. Florida was in that game until the very end. I did not get the same feeling watching Florida play Georgia. Um, but Florida beat LSU the year before that too. So I kind of think that this Georgia game would be considered more of an upset, at least in my mind, than beating LSU in Gainesville would be. But it's also way less detrimental to lose to LSU than it is to lose to Georgia because you, let's say, okay, so you you drop only one game and it's to LSU. You've beaten Georgia, so you're still going to represent uh, the East. So you either A, get to avenge that loss, potentially against LSU or you're playing Alabama because LSU already lost and they're eliminated. You're still very much in the playoff hunt. So you're right. Georgia next year, that's where the big red circle is. That is, that should be Dan Mullen's entire focus. This off season is how do I beat Georgia? Because I pretty much make the playoffs if I do, honestly, I I mean, unless they, yeah, because you can unless lose to, they drop something you can, stupid, you could lose to LSU at home and and win the rest and of their make games the and they would make yes. it. Yes, well, 
Well, make the, make SEC, the SEC title championship. game. <laughs> Let's not right. forget about, yeah. you know. Make the SEC whoever, title game, which yeah. that's a step in the right direction. If Florida, sure. makes, if Florida has 11 wins this year, they've made the move in the right direction. And we've talked a lot on the show about how it's easier to go from 4 to 10 than it is to go from 10 to 11. So and, Florida wins 11 this year. They've done that. So the next go step, to the they go to the Sugar Bowl. Like by right. losing, I mean, at the very worst, at right? The like very worst. By, by losing to Alabama, uh, Alabama, LSU, whatever. They go to the Sugar Bowl, you know? Right. And so it's um, a step in the right direction, absolutely. but it all comes down to that Georgia game. And I do think watching, I was at Florida, Georgia last year. I watched it on TV this year. I do think that Florida made strides in the right direction and I, uh, they still lost. So that's not good enough. And I'm certainly not saying that it is, but I think that when you watch that game this year, you felt better about it than you did the year before where it was miserable in the stands, the second half of the game. Yeah. And, and there is still a talent gap and that's not something that closes in one to two years that Dan Mullen is going to have to continue to bring talent in. And I think there's still a talent gap next year. The good news is I also think there's a coaching gap, but I think that that, that is in Florida's um, advantage there. And so I don't know, it'll be interesting, but you're right. Florida, Georgia next year, that's where Florida fans need to circle. That's what Dan Mullen needs to have circled. That is going to determine how Florida has progressed. And I think, and I think the fan base is very aware of that. Like I've seen, mm-hmm. I've seen tweets about that. Like I've seen posts about that on Facebook and everything else. They already know. It's almost like they don't even, I mean, obviously once it gets here, they will care. They don't even care about the LSU game at this point, right? Like it is just, you've got to be Georgia. Because like we said, losing to LSU is one loss. Losing to Georgia is, is two. Because then yep. you, you need them to lose a couple SEC games. Yep. Um, which the chances of Georgia doing that, um, losing two SEC games. I mean, I don't know how. I, I do not know. They're uh, always. <laughs> I don't know. Their nine schedule. times out of ten, Georgia's going to drop one that they shouldn't. That seems they, to be their mo. They play at Alabama next year, so that's that's pretty tough. Yeah. Um, but then you know the rest of it is the East. You know they right. really well, they shouldn't play, lose another East Auburn? game. They, they play they, Auburn. They play yeah. Auburn on a yearly rotation. Yeah, Auburn may have a new coach by then, so not not quite sure what. I mean, we hear that every year. <laughs> that hasn't happened, so I don't know that I. I don't know. Um, we'll talk about this and then get out of here unless there's anything else you want to chat about. But not a lot of good games this weekend. Um, the only ranked matchup is Ohio State and Penn State. Um, what is that's a obsession with noon games? This is not exciting I mean, for me it, for the best game of the day to be over by two forty-five. Well, I like, I and mean, we're going back to this. You're you're younger than me, I guess, when it comes to college football. But um, not in life, but just in college football. <laughs> I fandom. like I like noon games, especially because. Ugh. Okay, here's what I like. I like noon Big Ten and Big Twelve games um, because I don't. I, I have a hard time getting up for Big Ten games at night. Like, I just don't yeah. care that much about the Big Ten or the Big 12. Excuse me. So uh, I, I would rather watch those just so there's a, a good well, game I'm in the noon for slot. a good noon game when there's also great, you know, 8 o'clock games. But when there's not, I don't want the only good game of the day to be over you know, right after lunch. That's so, <laughs> that's not exciting for me. I want to have at least one good game that I put my kids to bed and I can sit on the couch and watch with my husband and actually fully pay attention to. Well, you're not having that this week. So I'm not I'm, I'm, like, for the next three watch, years. You have to watch something else, <laughs> yeah. uh, NBA or something. But yeah. to answer the question, I, 
I mean, I think it's a couple of things. I think it's the weather, one. Right. Uh, number two, the Big Ten seems behind in everything else, like the Midwest and everything else. Sorry to you know the six Midwest listeners we have. Um, seem, <laughs> seems behind a lot of things. And, I mean, it used to be 8 p.m. was not always the prime time. Like the 12 and, and 3.30 were the big games that, well, and that it, people for- watched. And so they're just – you know, that's still that's the case the- in the SEC. I mean, in, unless which CBS did not exercise their second uh, 8 p.m. game this season, which is interesting. That's usually so they have the option to do two eight o'clock games during the course of the season, and usually they always do Alabama LSU as one of them, um, and then it's kind of up in the air who the other one is. And they did not can, do that this can, year. Can they exercise it as the championship game or is that I don't absolutely set so. for four o'clock? Um, you know, the, I don't know exactly what the role is on that. It used to be that they would rotate who was the four o'clock, who was the eight o'clock um, conference championship oh, they game. In a while, and I they haven't. Like, You're yeah. right. In and, a while. And this, and I just looked it up. This one is set for three 30 on, okay. on December 7th. So, when Eric played in the SEC championship game in 2006, that was an eight o'clock game. Um, oh, okay. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it was the- played at the same time as the PAC 10 championship game was because that is when, um, I want to say it was USC, potentially UCLA. Um, it was USC somebody and USC, if they won would have gone, um, or would have had a, at least a decent argument for being in the national championship game and USC lost. And so that is what even opened the door for the argument over should it be Florida or should it be a rematch of Michigan, Ohio state. And I can like, I have a vivid memory of being in the stadium in Atlanta and watching the ripple of, uh, you know, surprise in the crowd as that USC score was, was shown on the Drumbotron. Yeah, and that and was, of course, before we had Twitter, where we'd follow along on our phone and we knew every play of the game. No you had to rely yeah. on the jumbotron or somebody texting you at home to tell you what the score was. But so yeah. I know for sure that game, and I, I think the I want to say the which one. Go ahead. But two thousand and nine where we lost in the SEC championship game. I had a cousin that was the tight end for Alabama and my brother was playing for Florida. And so that was a hard game for our family. And, uh, that was an eight o'clock game because I remember walking back to the team hotel afterwards in the pitch black. I I could be wrong on this, but I want to say that 2012 was, was also a night game. Wasn't that the one with Aaron Murray and they got stopped like at the one, Uh uh, against Alabama. I could be wrong on that. You know, I did. I don't remember. I just feel like that was a night game. Somebody will tweet me and, and correct me on it, but I feel like that was a, a night game. But I know 2013 wasn't. Like I remember right. watching Auburn, Missouri, because watching that to see who we played. I know 2014 wasn't. I was in Charlotte when we played uh, Georgia Tech, and I remember watching the game, the SEC game before. So I feel like since at least 2013, it's it's been that 3:30 slot every time, or 3:34, whatever. Um, yeah. So. You know, but yeah, I think it should rotate. I think, you know, the the better game, I, I mean, actually, I take that back. I don't care if it rotates or not. Even because if it's not the better game, I think rotating is, is fun. I don't know. I think it's probably the right thing to do, but sure. I do like, 
I mean, I like the whole day kind of heaven game, so like it doesn't really matter to me. And I think the Pac-12 now is on Friday night. At least it has been the last couple of years. I love that too because nobody really more cares about the Pac-12. Yeah. yeah, nobody really cares about the Pac-12, so you wouldn't watch it if it was on at noon. Well, or if there's only five games that weekend, why have any that overlap? Right, have them, which the ACC and Big Ten usually do, but the ACC is going to be a blowout, so that's not a big deal. It's no one's watching. You know, We're going. So. Yeah, so I, I like the Pac-12 being the night before. I like the SEC in the middle of the day, but it doesn't it doesn't really matter to me. But, but I, I'm i much more looking forward to football next week than I am this week, and uh, so even more so the week go, after. Let's uh, touch on the FSU coaching search real quick. So um, I, I feel like uh, with the last coaching search, um, everything was – I mean, it was so quick, right? They – you know, Jimbo, Jimbo left on a – Thursday or Friday, and Taggart was announced like that next Monday or Tuesday. I think it was a four-day coaching search. Um, and so they zeroed in on their guy. They Which probably means that they had some heads up that this could potentially be happening, and there was a list in their drawer. Well, I think the list potential. considered – it sounded like the list was just one guy. Like they wanted Taggart, and they went and got him, and they were kind of had blinders on, and they were very nearsighted and, and handled it pretty poorly, like didn't, didn't do their due diligence at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, I think I think, I think they by, liked that he that Florida State was the top of the mountain for him. Yeah, and I think that I think they knew by Monday or Tuesday of 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 the Jimbo leaving week, so they really kind of knew a week in, in advance of hiring Taggart. But anyway, so it was very clear that that was the direction they were going. The beat knew everything about what was going on, had all the inside info. Um, and it's just very different this time. There's not a lot of talk about, you know, there's talk of like, oh, this guy could be a potential candidate. This guy could be a – but there's nothing There's nothing in the media that's really been confirmed, right? Mm-hmm. Some really small or local outlets have, have put out that, oh, this was Stoops or that was Stoops. Um, the university used the Tallahassee Democrat again as a mouthpiece to say that Stoops wasn't a candidate uh, last Friday. Um, but outside of that, there's really been nothing leaking other than they, they did interview Odell on Sunday, which, so to me, I like that, right? Like it's, it's, I like that there's not a lot leaking. I don't think it's the crap show that everybody thinks it is. You know, the coaches that they're trying to talk to are in season right now. It would be unprecedented. Well, I to pull think somebody that's away what that. it shows you. Yeah. It shows you that your their potential candidates are coaching teams currently. And, you know, there are very few coaches that would entertain this idea midseason. The only, the only time that that really, I think, ever even comes in is when it's such a huge jump that it's a no-brainer for that coach. And no one at the their existing program is going to have hurt feelings because they know they that get, it's not a lateral right. move. They get it. And, um, and I think Florida state, I mean, I think Florida state is, I have nothing to base this on. I do think Florida state is having conversations with people's agents, people's representatives, right. and they're doing their due diligence. Well, Cause they on need that to know end. like, Hey, would you even entertain sure. a conversation with us? But I would expect that a hire is made, uh, the week after the Florida game. Like I would say the only chance that that isn't the case is if the coach that you're going after is coaching in a college at a conference championship game, which 
I mean, at that point, that would be Franklin, which you and I have talked about this off air. I don't think that he's a candidate for the Florida State job. Um, I think I don't understand how you leave a top 10 program that's vying for a playoff spot to start over somewhere that those, is currently not. I unless think, that happens to be the program that you have affinity for. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the weather up there after spending a few days in New York. Like, that's the only reason that I would, would leave and, and come back and do that. Other than that, I, I'm kind of It depends on what that. your <laughs> background is, too, whether or not that's as offensive to them as it is to, you know, you and I. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't see Franklin as a, as a really realistic. Like, I mean, I think F- Florida State should absolutely go after him, just like I think they should have gone after Bob I Stoops. Mean, and I think they should have made the call to Urban Meyer. And I ask think they everybody made, to dance. You absolutely. Don't, I mean, you don't know. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, he would be the only person I think we're targeting or potentially targeting, like that's come out on some lists that would be in that situation. Um, but I mean, I, I think that after this week, like after the bye week, things really will ramp up. Like I think that, um, I think that going into that last week of the season, you know, once Ohio state eliminates Penn state this week, once everybody else kind of knows that the season's winding down, I think that guys know they're coaching their potential last game and, you know, an announcement will probably be made at the very beginning of December, something like, you know, the Monday or Tuesday after the Florida game, maybe it gets to like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of that week. Um, but I think that's kind of when something would happen. I also think that if announcement an announcement is not made by like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of that week, we're just going to hire an Odell. Um, kind of have him be so like an interim coach without things Nate. about him not wanting to be a head coach. Do you know if that's the case or not the case? It sounded like some reports came out that they didn't he didn't want to be a head coach the last time around two years ago um some other reports have kind of come out that he actually did back then but they didn't ask but it sounds like now he does want it he does want it like he would he would be open to it and he would go with that here's another question for you and and florida state fans in general feel free to tweet me with this so when usc fired lane kiffin right and ed orgeron took over and he did a fantastic job as the interim head coach. He was not hired as the head coach moving forward for the, for the next season. Um, and then that's kind of, he, how he ended up at LSU, which is obviously tailor made for him, but that's how he became the head coach at LSU too, is that he was the interim head coach and they ended up hiring him. Do you think that there's any world where Florida state has watched that watch USC, not hire him, then watched LSU go ahead and promote him from within, um, and the success that he's had, that that plays on their mind in regards to Odell. I don't, um, Orgeron, I mean, maybe you consider it, but Orgeron was a coach at Ole Miss before he knows at least the workings of how to run an organization like that. Um, I think the coordinators that LSU has and has hired. But I mean, Odell's been at Florida State for forever. So in terms of knowing how a that program, works, how that or program has works in a pro, but in how to run a major college football program. I mean, he's been a, he hasn't even been a. Well, he knows what not to do. <laughs> just take the Willie Ta- Taggart book out and and do the opposite. Yeah, I just think that you know not knowing how to actually run a program, right? Like, is just. 
I think that's kind of, I mean, he hasn't even been a coordinator. He hasn't even run a defense. Um, just, you know, and I think Odell is great. Like, I, I think, you know, if he was to get the job, I would be so thrilled for him. It'd be so cool. I think he bleeds floors like he is Florida State. But, I mean, it also says something about the fact that he's, he, I don't want to say just been at D.C. for 30 years, but, like, he's just been a, I'm sorry, a D-line coach for 30 years. But he's just been a D-line coach for 30 years. Why is he not, you know, those guys, guys that are head coaches have that drive, and they want to be that coach, and they want to move on. And I'm not buying this whole, oh, he's so Florida State that he didn't want to leave. I mean, he could have been the D.C. at any time. Like, he could have gotten that job and has always kind of been content with being the D-line coach. And I'm not saying that Odell doesn't have passion, doesn't have drive, doesn't have that want to. But, I mean, that that does kind of worry me. So, I, I don't know. I think that Florida State also sees that. I, I do think – I've heard this on a couple of different places. I think Florida State has a list of – X number of guys, right? Like X number of realistic targets. Matt Campbell, uh, Matt, you know, Matt Rule, whoever, you know, Bob Stoops, Mark Stoops, James Franklin, just whoever. They have their list right. of, let's call it eight guys. And I do think that they will get to a point where they will get, if they get eight no's and that eight number is just arbitrary, that's when they hire Odell. Like I think that's what's in the back of their mind. And that list could be four. Like I, I don't sure. know what the actual number is. But I think that's where they say, okay, there becomes a point where we get told we go with no the safe enough. Hire. Yeah. And maybe Odell would they in their mind, maybe Odell would be a better coach than the whoever the, guy the that's other the options ninth are that are left. Option. Yeah. Right. So at that point you you kind of have it, I mean, just like a draft board, right? Like you kind of have a list yeah. in your mind of here's who we would take with this pick. And if nobody's there, we're just going to trade down. So if you're Odell, are you like, okay, well, I know I'm the eighth pick, so let me just pray that the seven ahead of me say no? Or is there is that an insult in some way? And I, mean, the I, don't, think State, that, I don't think that's been something that's made publicly clear. Well, clear, clearly, yeah. but, I mean, he's not an idiot. Well, but I think that's why they hired the search firm, so that they could remove themselves from a lot of it. You know, right. he doesn't know every interview that's happening yeah. and, and all of that. So. So would um, you consider that a swing and a miss if that's who Florida State hires? I mean, it's tough to know who the other candidates were because Florida State's going to spin it as, no, this Del is was our, our guy. guy. Here's who we wanted. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, there was a lot of speculation about who UF was targeting and, and kind of trying to get before Mullen and this and that. And it's all just kind of speculation because you don't really know what conversations happened. We don't even know what, if any, conversations happened with Stoops, right? Like they could have been full on negotiating and Stoops said no, or they literally could have never talked with him. And so it to to Twitter and to the fan base, it looks like a swing and a miss on Stoops, but Mm -hmm. maybe they reached out to Stoops' Maybe they never even reached out. Like, who knows? You know, I don't so- think I don't think Stoops was ever a viable option. You and I have talked about this. I I would have going to be really shocked only because I know a hundred percent for a fact Florida has gauged his interest the last two times they've hired a coach. He wasn't interested. He has a lot of Florida ties. Um, and so I it just in my mind, if you weren't interested in going back to a school where you still have a house in that city, it it seemed weird to me that he would be interested in that that rival 
So um, is that a swing and a miss? You know, I mean, you're no, always going to ask, it is, like, is Urban think... a swing and a miss? You know, no, like. I don't think know. Urban or Bob Stoops is a swing and a miss because I think you had to have had a legitimate shot at them to begin with to be able to actually miss on them. And so, I don't know. So to answer the... your question, it's hard to know what a swing and a miss is, yeah. right? Like, is Chip Kelly a swing and a miss? Like, did Florida, re- you know, like, I don't know. How do you really know what was happening there? Yeah, well, I think I think Florida's Chip Kelly. I think there was real talk there, and I think thank God Florida swung and missed on that. Um, because when I look at where UCLA is, and I look at where Florida is, and I look at who those those two programs hired, I am so thankful that Dan Mullen is who was hired. But I think it was real that Florida was engaged in conversations with Chip Kelly. Um, and it fell apart at the end. And I, I don't necessarily know why it fell apart, but I'm just glad it did. <laughs> For sure. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I don't think Florida State has a coach by the next time we record. Um, but I guess we'll probably be recording a little bit earlier next time. So we'll, little... well, if they if they do, it's probably Odell, right? I don't think they would announce Odell, but I mean, right. so you're well, saying, no, no, I don't, I don't think so. So we probably record a little earlier next week or this right. week, Sunday we'll, or Monday. We'll shoot for Sunday, y'all. Yeah. So I don't think they would announce Odell this early, you know, unless, you know, I, I don't think the other, I mean, I don't I've think been the other told. Teams would have, our coaches would have a chance to say no yet. Uh, yeah, um, I don't, and I don't have, and I don't know where they rank these two guys on the list. Um, and I don't have like the most plugged in sources or know everything, but I've been told by a source of direct knowledge that Mark Stoops wants this job, like would say yes in a heartbeat. Um, I think that that's a very accurate and, statement. I think he's reached his ceiling at Kentucky and, and that has nothing to do with him personally. It has to do with the program. And so does Florida state have Odell ranked ahead of behind Mark Stoops? I don't know that, but I can say with full confidence that, that's you know just the fact. That I would Mark think Stoops that they would have him behind him, right? Behind I mean, Odell or Odell? Beh- Which way? No, they would have Odell behind Stoops. I would uh, think so. Mark Stoops, because he has head coaching experience, and you look at what he's done for with Kentucky, and it's impressive. He's never going to win an SEC championship in Kentucky. That has less to do with Kentucky and more to do with the rest of the conference. Um, right, but he won't even never, go to an SEC championship, let ever, alone win a I mean, ever. He's reached his ceiling at Kentucky. He has had that program to heights that it hasn't seen really ever before. So if he wants a challenge, if he wants the opportunity to compete for conference titles and beyond, he has to make a move. Yeah. So because of that, by the time we record next, I, I do not think that Odell will be named the coach. I could be wrong, but I, I think that they will at least explore those other options. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we only have like three days, so. I don't think we're doing anything in this bye week. Right. All right. Well, stay tuned, I guess. Uh, another week of this saga continues. Hey, what I will say, though, a lot of people have said that they think that it was wrong to get rid of Tagger and not really have a plan. Um, Just because you don't have a hire doesn't mean that there's not a plan. Correct. I, I don't think we're bowl eligible with Willie Taggart as our coach because I think we lose to BC. So... I think it was the right decision, if nothing else, but for that. You, you know, you if a ship is sinking, you don't just say, mm-hmm. well, we don't know how we're going to stop this, so let's just kind of let it We're just going to hang out for a while. Right? We're going to stay we here on the upper deck. So. We're going to stay here on the upper deck. Let's not even go down to the lower devils to, to try and fix it. Let's just stay up here and try and keep our heads Hope above for the water. Best. No, you, right. you, you cut off the dead weight and. And move on. And move forward. And honestly, more than likely, you want your team to hire a coach that is already coaching. There are very 
few scenarios where you're going after somebody who is available to commit to you in the middle of the season because they're not coaching somewhere at that moment. So, you know, unless you, unless you really are getting that urban Meyer or that Bob Stoops, which I don't think was realistic for Florida state, you don't want to know who it is just yet because that guy's still coaching. Yeah. None of them are going to leave Florida state fans. Florida fans can talk to you a lot about this. We, we understand. None of them are going to leave right away or right now or anything like you that. You don't want so, a guy that ditches his current program for you mid-season. Yeah, because he'll do That's, the same thing. Right. He'll, he'll do the same thing right. to you eventually. You know, so uh, Same country does Florida that State girlfriend or boyfriend that cheated on their previous guy right, with you. with you, yeah. Life advice right. here on the There you go. Bit, so. The more you know. All right, cool. Well, I think I'm good for this week. All right. We've bothered well, these people enough. Good. Well, hopefully everybody in our families stay healthy and we have non-eventful weeks and then we'll record on Sunday. And uh, as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, tweet us and uh, we'll probably answer you. Maybe. Potentially we'll argument. <laughs> cool. Well, good stuff. Uh, all right. See you guys next week. <laughs>